Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Said to herself. And to you, of course, assuming you're there. Uh, I'm a little bit still on California time. I'm a little out of it. Um, I'm the lousiest traveler. I mean, if I travel as far as Wilmerding, I get jet lag. So, um, I'm going to ease my way back, uh, back in, and uh, I sound a little odd to myself. While we were gone, there were audio gremlins who came in to take a look at our setup here. And uh, they left. <laughs> and so if we sound a little strange today, whatever it is, it's something they did. But we don't know. So, welcome back. Um, I do recommend tuning out the news for as long a time as you possibly can. There is something amazingly restorative about uh, avoiding you-know-who um, and, and the troubles and trials he's brought with him. Um, so, <sighs> let's see. I, I rarely watch the Academy Awards, I'm gonna, I, but I, I did in its in almost in its entirety. I have to admit I bailed out with about ten minutes left, and, and before the shocker of uh, Green Book winning Best Picture, but I, um, I guess being on California time is why I was able to, to watch it. Um, a few thoughts about it, just because it's easy, um, and don't know if you watched and have an opinion. Um, the show actually seemed to go smoother without a host. <laughs> I would recommend no more hosts. That's just fine. Just get up. And although they, Jesus, the speeches, God dang. Um, and and it was it was a, such a predictable kind of a show. Everybody who you expected to win won until the very end, pretty much until Glenn Close didn't, which shocked the hell out of me and um and then green book i guess instead of roma uh whatever i guess i don't have anything to say billy porter stole the show and his did you see it did you see what billy porter pittsburgh's own homewood's own cap his own billy porter did you see what he wore Um, personally, I found it a little shocking, but what the hell? I mean, he wore a gown. He wore a, on the top, a tuxedo-looking kind of thing, uh, though much more dramatic, and then a huge, heading into a huge black uh, ball gown. I, I thought he looked absurd myself but <laughs> but then I often think that people on that red carpet look absurd so what do I know 
I am no fashion maven, and in fact, I, I find fashion in general um, a, a, an interest, I don't know what else to call it, a profession um, that I find maybe I'm a snob or maybe I just don't get it, but I find it so extraordinarily shallow. Just people ooing and eyeing over this and that and what's in and what's out. It's clothes, you know? It's it's clothing. I agree, some clothing is gorgeous. And some clothing is utilitarian, and some in fact can be both, but going nuts about I mean, on, on one level I guess it is art and an extraordinarily constructed and beauteous thing. Uh, but very little of it falls into that category, and most of it is just, you know, it's what it is. So, I guess I should have taken notes during it if I had a thought of any interest, but I did not. And um, I guess mostly I, like Sp I, I, I liked Samuel Jackson coming out and telling Spike Lee that the Knicks had finally won a game, and then I, and then ending up giving the Oscar to Spike Lee, not for what he wanted it for, but it doesn't matter, I guess. He got his Oscar for screenplay as opposed to director. Who cares? Anyway, <coughs> I'm just having trouble getting in in general. You know what I mean? If anybody has any thoughts, seriously, um, on the, on the. Oscars, feel free. Uh, and oh, I do want to say this. So all this hoo-ha and caterwauling about uh, Green Book winning. Um, I think I've had it. I can't, my arm's not, my arm is not long enough to show how much I've had it. I've had it up to here with people taking umbrage at everything. I really, and guys, I'm not alone. <laughs> I am so not alone. So people, there's a whole bunch of people, and you wouldn't know necessarily unless you I guess read certain publications and or critics and or Twitter. There were a lot of people who felt Green Book was um, somehow offensive. And I saw it and I enjoyed it and I was told after I saw it and told some people, I saw Green Book. It was, I thought, really a delightful movie. And I was told in no uncertain terms by more than one person that I said that to that I was being politically incorrect and having enjoyed it. <laughs> they all had heard the same thing. They had heard that it was not, uh, something was amiss with it. And I remember one woman in particular saying, I can't remember why, but you know, the people on the left had told us that we were not to enjoy it, that it was verboten. And enjoying it just showed you were, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know what, 
you're a racist? I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And then I started reading more about it because I was curious. And yeah, 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 yeah. But dear God, it's a fucking movie. It's a movie. It is a cinematic depiction based, it's not a documentary, based on a true story. And you would have thought that they, the people who made it had assassinated uh, Martin Luther King. I, I, I don't even, I <coughs> is all I want to say, really. Why I liked it? I left there feeling good. How often do you walk out of a movie these days feeling good? I liked it because it was a growing friendship of two extremely unlikely people, and I would argue in both instances not particularly likable people. A very odd, talented, gay, black pianist and courageous black pianist, I must say. And, uh, you know, this uh, Italian bouncer thug from racist from New York. And the reality is, is that there were two men somewhat like that. There, they did go into the South together, and they did, in the course of that journey, uh, strike up a... Uh, a friendship and somewhat of an admiration for each other. That's the movie. It makes you feel good. It also makes you feel miserable because it shows you the horror of racism. I mean, th there is that as well. But I'm so sick of people having to constantly be outraged nitpicking everybody's word, everybody's glance, everything. This is what Twitter and 24-7 and, um, and media have given us. God help us. And it feeds the tribalism. It's exactly the kind of thing that could get Donald Trump reelected because nobody is better at it than our side than the nitpicking and the offense-taking. Why am I hearing this? You are too. I feel like I'm in a, a large hangar. Like a, I feel like it's a huge building I'm in, <laughs> meant to house huge planes, but I'm all alone. So, whatever. Anyway, um, I just, uh, Barbara is saying about Green Book, it was an example, oh, one of the, yes, the, she liked it, and she said the critics are saying it was an example of a white savior. A white savior? Saving the black guy? I don't think so. That's not how I took it at all. Um, I know black people generally didn't like it, and yet, 
you had Marshala Lee, who won an Oscar for it last night, who is, I would dare anyone to say he is somehow not an African-American in good standing. He apparently was not offended by it since he acted in it. And then civil rights icon John Lewis, for God's sake, introduced it last night at the Oscars. And the crowd rose as one, as it should have, to applaud uh, John Lewis. And that John Lewis recognized that this movie was... what well, He wouldn't have come out if the movie was somehow an offense. If it passed John Lewis's muster, then I think all the other people caterwauling about it could shut up and just say, I, for me, that movie wasn't the right kind of movie. Okay, I don't like it. I agree it's not Academy Award winning stuff, but then next to nothing was this year. I mean, really. Maybe Roma. I don't see any of the others at all. So. Oh, God. And what else? That's all I can think of at the moment. Um, it was heartening to see. There were a lot of black winners last night. And in what I loved is it was not necessarily the black people were winning in the acting categories, although two of the acting categories were taken by uh, Best Supporting and Best uh, Actor and Actress were both um, taken by um, African Americans. Um, but it was the black people winning in places where you'd never seen them, like things like we don't understand, like production something and costume uh, and, and things like that and that I found more heartening it was not only black people it was also black women lots of black women so that was heartening and then the oddest thing about this Oscar or for that matter the best director for five of the last six years has been a Mexican. Isn't that an odd stat? The winner of the best director has been a Mexican man for five of the last six years. I don't know what I mean, I don't know what to make of that, but it is just a, a, a strange thing, I think. Oh. Art is, um, art has the potential of being uplifting. It has the potential of being uh, divisive. It has the potential of uh, being unforgettable and or forgettable. It, it can be uh, something that lives for all time. I happened to see uh, 
the Pittsburgh Public Theater's production of The Tempest uh, yesterday. That'd be Shakespeare. And what's unbelievable is that play was written in <laughs> 1611. So that is, my God, is that 500 plus years ago? 500 plus years ago, written before the country we're sitting in, the city I'm in, didn't even exist. And yet, that play, and I guess all of his others too, stand the test of time. You can totally identify with, with humanity in his plays. So things around us have changed. Our clothing has changed. Our ways of organizing ourselves socially and politically may have changed. But humans? Pff, not a bit. As petty, we're as petty as we were 500 years ago, and we can assume 5,000 years ago. We're as capable of wondrousness, although less so than the pettiness. It's pretty amazing to see how art done right uh, uplifts, speaks to us through the generations, through millennia, through centuries. Incredible. And so we can nitpick little things in real time, but uh, ultimately the test will be time itself. Huh? Um, I sort of got myself back into the news um, on Friday. And uh, that was the result of, a, um, of an email I received from Planned Parenthood. And it was something I'd been waiting for, not expectantly, waiting for with dread. And um, I don't know that it got the kind of attention it should have. And I don't know if people are aware that the Trump administration has imposed what is being called um, a gag rule. It's much more than what that suggests. I don't really like the term gag rule. But what the Trump administration announced is that now, organizations that provide abortion referrals. So if a woman is pregnant, goes in to get a checkup, to see, see what, her, what can I do here, I don't know that I can, should have this baby. Um, there are organizations like Planned Parenthood that will say, well, there are other possibilities. We can talk to you about that. Um, any organization that mention the word ab abortion 
to any pregnant woman cannot receive federal family planning dollars. Now, understand that that is the bread and butter of Planned Parenthood. Think of the name of what that organization is, Planned Parenthood. It is an organization that began so that women could have some measure of control of their bodies so that they didn't have to have 10 children in 12 years, so that they could plan their pregnancies, and that would mean they would have access to contraception. That is what Planned Parenthood is about. Giving women the tools to do that. And, and in so doing, it became the leading uh, health provider for women in this country. The idea that the right-wingers and the right-to-lifers would uh, have, people have, of Planned Parenthood, of some abortion mill, it is a tiny part of what is done at Planned Parenthood. It is almost all about sex education, uh, about preventive care, about cancer screening, about women's health, about contraception. That's what Planned Parenthood does. So now Planned Parenthood which exists for family planning, that is its mission, is denied any federal family planning funds. <laughs> uh, why am I laughing? Instead, those millions and hundreds of millions of dollars will go to religiously based anti-abortion groups now. So where family planning funds used to go to people who actually believed in family planning, now, now, and these are your tax dollars, now that money, your money, will go instead to religious based anti-abortion groups read evangelicals in the Catholic Church. All of that funding is going to go away from sex education, uh, pregnancy prevention programs, and instead go to people who ply the snake oil of sexual abstinence for contraception. This program that provides this money is called Title X. And by doing this, the Trump administration, as we know, all Republican administrations do, uh, Ronald Reagan tried to do the same thing, by the way. It never quite went, happened, and Bill Clinton put the kibosh on it when he came in. And here's the thing. Organizations that receive federal funds 
have already been prohibited for umpteen years from using any federal money to finance abortion services. So Planned Parenthood has never been using federal money for that purpose. And now all the money that they have gotten, federal money, that is used for instead empowering women with contraception and all these other things, now they're told they can't get that. Any, they can't do that anymore. So what will happen is health care providers now will not be able to truly counsel women who come to them for advice. It is like, as some doctor said, my gosh, imagine somebody would come to me and they have diabetes. And I am told by the government that I cannot tell them about insulin. I can't even mention the word insulin. So what the Trump administration has done is essentially take Title X, stick it upside down, force doctors to lie, forbids doctors from, uh, this is all doctors, it's your doctor, now forbidden from referring patients for abortion and prevents women from being able to access Planned Parenthood services. Let me tell you the result of this. Women will die. Unwanted babies will be born. Title 10 provides close to $300 million, which is a pittance in terms of federal funding, okay? $300 million in funding for programs that provide services like birth control, Planned Parenthood, screening for breast cancer, Planned Parenthood, cervical cancer, Planned Parenthood, screening and treatment for sexually transmitted diseases. All of these are the major things that Planned Parenthood does. These programs serve about 4 million patients a year, the Title X monies. Many of those women, of course, are poor women. About 40% of the clinics that receive these funds are Planned Parenthood clinics. In many parts of the country, many parts of the country, Planned Parenthood is the only provider who participates in Title X, which is to say that women all over this country now will not be able to access Planned Parenthood services. Plan, planning family, per, there's nobody else to do it. Pregnant women don't go into Planned Parenthood to get abortions. The vast, 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 vast majority do not. They're going there for health care. And now those Planned Parenthoods are going to, they ain't going to be able to stay alive without this. Make no mistake, the gag rule is an effort to destroy, to 
take down, finish off Planned Parenthood. Several medical organizations have predicted that this new Trump rule would ultimately leave large numbers of patients, especially, of course, low-income minority women without access to basic health care. That is the result, as I said, women will die. And instead, we're talking about what? We're talking about what? American women will be dying because of something the Trump administration has done in the last few days, and has it received tons of attention? I don't think so. Here is the president of the National Medical Association. This rule will have dire and disproportionate consequences for African-American women who make up 22% of the people who access health care through Title X. Well, not anymore. So that's the big thing. I was mentioning I went to the theater. I have to tell you, I'm getting so into theater right now, as you know. I mean, I'm telling you about the August Wilson Center because they do theater amongst so many other things. I hope some of you have taken advantage of some of the things that I've brought to your attention and, and, and highlighted uh, this month uh, of, of February. Uh, Coming up, I'll give you another quickie. This is not theater, but uh, Butcher Brown uh, coming March 1st, and that is a jazz band, a progressive jazz band that is, according to the materials I've seen about it, it's sort of a throwback to the jazz bands of the 60s and 70s, which I think would make it quite quite a jazz band. It's, uh, there's not a top-down kind of leaders. Um, there's, a, there's a group of equals. Uh, individually, each, each person in that band, uh, impressive as all together, uh, uh, as, as Get Out, and then together, as, uh, as a band, they are something that I guess you don't see a lot anymore with jazz bands, a real band playing for their audience, for each other. And everybody who knows figuring that this is a band that is on the verge of a, of a brilliant future. So August Wilson Cultural Center, ladies and gentlemen, it's there for you. And it's there for this community to show its support. As you know, it had a little stumble a year or so ago. And it is considered so important to this community that the foundations of Pittsburgh, the big foundations of Pittsburgh, uh, as, as one, uh, stepped in 
to uh, save it, the Heinz Endowments, the Richard King Mellon Foundation, the Hillman Family Foundation, uh, and even Bloomberg Philanthropies, uh, a number of out of, uh, of state as well, supporting the operations and programming there. But they need us. And it's hardly, I mean, it's like saying to people, would you please support this wondrous thing? It's one of those things that if it goes, you'll miss it. You'll say, why the heck didn't I ever? Okay, check it out. Serious. Okay, got a lot of emails coming in here. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get this right. David says, I agree with you about this issue with Planned Parenthood, but you're blaming the wrong people. This isn't Trump's fault. Everyone knew he would do something like this. This is on the backs of everyone who voted for him. Well, the 50-some percent of white women who voted for him specifically. Trump is taking this away, but the majority of women gave it away. With the Supreme Court at stake, and a right uniquely their own, they voted for Trump because, well, Hillary. I actually had a friend from high school who I hadn't talked to in decades. We had a quick talk, and she said, I suppose you are, you know, for you are for Hillary. And I said, you mean you voted for Trump? And she said, well, it wasn't so much that we voted for Trump, but I mean, Hillary? It's just not exactly what David is saying here. It was like, that speaks for itself. Hillary? I mean, which shows such, whereas we would all say, Trump? They felt that way about this competent woman who they didn't like. Okay? A lot of men voted for him, too, but that was not voting against their own self-interest. Too many women did, though. Well, you know, I'll take, a, take you, uh, David, until men start seeing women's self-interest as their own self-interest, we're, we're in a bad place. I think men should be starting to figure out that unhappy women don't make men's lives any better. Hmm? David goes on, knowing full well what was going to happen, they did it anyway. Blame him for handing that right over to Trump. Don't blame lying, corrupt Trump for taking it. Well, you can say that in, in general then, but I do blame him as well. Roger writes, the anti-abortion people have made their deal with the devil. They are willing to destroy lives, society, and possibly our democracy in their fight against abortion. The so-called moralists are in bed with racists and some of the greediest people on earth. Shameless Republicans are immoral president. So much for being pro-life. Barbara writes, 
since its inception, the global gag rule has been put into place at the start of every Republican administration. And it's promptly rescinded under every Democratic administration. Well, that's what happened. Reagan was the first to try to implement this. And it never quite got off the ground before. But they have successfully done so many things that have truncated women's ability to access safe and uh, here's a affordable, that's Planned Parenthood, affordable care. Okay, what else we got? This is going back to Green Book's win. Uh, Ed writes, in regard to Green Book, the musician's family, it is about this black musician, um, said it was not a true portrait. Well, you know, see, I know, I know that's, uh, they say, well, Don Shirley's family didn't like it. I don't, it doesn't matter. It was based on, um, they didn't have veto, I guess. I'm sure they didn't like parts of it because it was a dramatization. They were upset that in the movie, it turns out that Don Shirley, the black guy, had never eaten fried chicken. The white guy finds this so hysterical, he cannot believe, I mean, unbelievable. So the black guy has to be taught, essentially, how to eat fried chicken by the white guy. The black guy says from the back seat of the, of the car that he's being driven by the white driver, what do I do with the bones after he's actually eaten some of them? Now, okay, that might be apocryphal, but clearly what the movie wanted to show is that Don Shirley was not your average b American black person. He was not into popular culture. He was totally into classical music and a certain way of dress and refinement. It was a way that very few black people or white people lived like. He himself had a servant of color, an Indian man. He lived with, you know, he was, and he was gay. I'm sure the family maybe didn't like that either. The fact that he was shown to be a gay man. This poor guy, Don Shirley, was black, was gay, was into classical music and had a real talent for it. And this is in the, what, the early 60s? I mean, and he had the courage to go down into the South to play concerts there? Into Jim Crow South? A remarkable man. So we didn't get the whole story. The fact is, the movie makes you want to know more about him. And I'm so sorry that his family, who he clearly was not close to, according to the movie, he, okay? Ed says, yeah, the family was not happy. The screen play has the likable bigot 
connect the black artist to his roots. That's what white savior term comes from in regard to the film. Okay, fine. What I am saying is that does not fine. I hate that people are not sufficiently sort of capable anymore of watching someone else's store. Oh, so it's not politically correct enough is, is what we're saying here. So I, who, I can't take it. I can't take it. You know what? Maybe it did happen like that. Is it conceivable that in the course of this trip, the black guy actually got closer to his roots, actually went to hear a black jazz band because the white guy took him? Was that in the movie, I think? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. Does that mean that black people can only make it because with white saviors? No! God, I, I just, why can't people just fucking relax? Excuse me. I sang that to myself. And I know I slip into this outrage at the slightest thing, too. We've been trained to do it through, the, through talk radio, which was my trade. But it's killing us, guys. It's killing us. It's making us such unhappy people. I mean, plenty of other things are, too. But, dear God, people are afraid. I mean, I have to be afraid of acknowledging that I liked um, this movie because it somehow then means I'm what? I'm a white racist now? Okay, fine. I am. I am. If we keep dividing ourselves up like this, there will be no at all. We damn well better stop. Pick our fights wisely. Pick what we're furious about wisely. The Title X gag rule thing, that's something to be upset about. That a movie got made and won an award that John Lewis felt okay presenting at the award show, something tells me that I'm going to follow John Lewis's lead on this. A case in point this tiptoeing around we all have to do now because we're, we're this close always to being on the wrong side 
to having to apologize. You will recall that I, with great trepidation, the week before I left on vacation, said to you, I got to say something. I'm scared to say it. I got to say this thing because I'm thinking it and I just want it out there. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I need to say it because I think I'm right. And do you recall, I told you then that what's his name, I can't even, Jesse Sm Jussie Smollett, I said then, this story doesn't make sense, did I not? I knew from the beginning that this was a hoax. And if I knew anyone with a clear head could see that it didn't, and all everybody else quickly taking their places, and of course he was right, and how dare you suggest he wasn't, and blah, 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 and only right-wingers were suggesting it was a hoax, and yet I said, I think it is. Do you remember I said that? Days before it finally unraveled. We are losing our ability to think clearly, to make discerning judgments because we're so trapped in our little ideologies and, and, and camps and tribes and, and, and frightened that we'll say the wrong thing. I'm finished. I am so finished. And it's killing us. It'll kill the Democratic Party. I'll finish it off. I'll tell you that right now. It'll kill the country. A lot of people working in that direction. We need to stop listening to everybody else and use your Head. Have the courage to ask yourself, huh? Does that make any sense? And don't get your answer from me. And don't get your answer from television or some podcast. Don't. Think for yourself. We have a caller, maybe. Hello. Hello. I agree with you 100%. I'll think for myself. Um, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, when you were talking about the um, fried chicken teaching thing, I haven't seen the movie, won't see it, doesn't interest me. Uh -huh. um, but as long as I thought about it, I was sitting here laughing because I can recall back in the 90s when I first met Blovius and him teaching me about the blues. <laughs> <laughs> so white, so white. Every guy, you never heard of? Nope. Don't know who you're talking about. Well, what about this guy? Ah, uh, nope. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, sitting there in shock that I don't know anything about. The, I knew, I knew you were basic blues guys like BB King. You know what I mean? Yeah, those, you know, yeah, those pop yeah. guys. But he he was deep, deep, deep in the blues, and I had no idea who he was talking about. So I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> a black man 
were schooled in the blues by a white guy. Exactly. (laughs) And I I tell you what, with the the abortion thing, and this is something I I noticed on Facebook that it was going to be a big thing, and this whole Margaret Sanger thing. I'm all over the place, you know, dispelling that myth. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Margaret Sanger, look, Margaret Sanger, uh, Uh back in the day, what was that, it was 100 years ago and more, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think she would measure up in terms of her racial attitudes. Yeah, but the, the whole thing is is that the, the myth is that Margaret Sanger was basically trying to get rid of the black oh, race. Was doing, oh, was making, actually, Margaret Sanger was not into abortion. Margaret Sanger was into yeah. birth control. Right, that's all, birth control. And, and that's and, it. And, 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 and when I'm arguing with these people, you know, saying that, you know, she was supported by W.E.B. Du Bois. Do you think that he was stupid enough to be sucked in by some, you know, Margaret Sanger? Well, what she wanted you know? and what he saw made sense was that yeah. poor women, black, white, and otherwise, couldn't afford. I mean, these children that they kept having were ma- making them poorer, poorer, poorer. They couldn't. They literally couldn't care for these children. It only made sense for them to have some control, right? Yeah. It was not some kind of white plot to wipe out black babies. But that, yeah. listen, it, 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 we know, we know that that is, I've sat on the Planned Parenthood board, and I know we have, we have black people on that board, but some of them take some crap for it because Planned uh-huh. Parenthood, and we have a huge percentage of our patients that are that are black women. Yeah, because you know because affordable health care. That's right. That's, that's, that's you know that's <laughs> yeah. And so there, you know, people love their conspiracies. Like you said, they don't think. I said I know it's more difficult. I know it's easy for it to be a conspiracy as opposed to like reading the whole history and and all that kind of good stuff, but. You're wrong. And then, and then they'll say, well, you've, you've just been brainwashed. I was like, in one week I was called brainwashed three times, two times in person. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Me? Brainwashed? <laughs> the guy who rejects religion, race, anything that, that, that said, I'm the one that's brainwashed. I said, you're serious. I said, me. <laughs> so I reject everything. Just about everything I was taught, you know, when it comes to, like, race, ethnicity, nationality, all that kind of stuff. I reject it all. Right. You know, and based on, you know, my reading of it, you know, and I said, so I'm the one that's brainwashed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing to me. It's, I said, oh, this is the issue. <laughs> so, you know, now play a parent or, you know, abortion is the get the people to the polls issue. You can't, you can't scare them with black people or Muslims or Hispanics. And so let's scare them with, you know, let's call them baby killers <laughs> and scare people to the polls that way. It's, 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 you know, it's been that way for a while, but. You know, it's it's, starting, it's it's like the thing that more, I've noticed. It's the thing. <laughs> more people will, more babies will suffer as a result of this gag rule. Yeah, like you said, it's it's like to me, it's like it's like that um, tax for the wealthy thing. People are like, you know, uh, uh, tax breaks. You know, for the wealthy, that people are like, hey, you'll get a tax break, and now they're filling out their taxes and going, oh crap. <laughs> you know, they fill out their taxes and they're losing. I think the average is like seventeen percent less 
yeah. and of return. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there you go. It was Ronald Reagan, you know, how many years ago? Almost 40 years ago. That did that trickle down voodoo economics. It didn't work then. It didn't work the second time they tried it right. in 2000. And it's not going to work now. We've no. <laughs> got to learn. They can't. But that, I you don't know. know. Yeah, because people are brainwashed, I guess. They're, <laughs> and, and they're too afraid. <laughs> they have an idea of how things work. And they stick with that idea, whether no matter what kinds of information is staring them right in the face, that they're mm-hmm. that they might have bought the, something that was really wrong. Yeah, bought in. Yeah, and that's that's. And I even called people conservative liberals, and got many people got mad at me like that. You know, like with the whole. Um, vaccination scare, oh. you know, it's going to call uh, uh, autism. I was like, okay, here it is, you know, <laughs> look, look what happens when you don't pay attention to scientists. That wind yesterday. <laughs> oh, God, that was scary. Jeez, I, I actually yeah, I know. scared I thought, a little bit. I saw Michael Jackson moonwalking forward. It was so <laughs> windy. <laughs> Thank you for the laugh. I put that little, I put that joke up. Oh, Facebook, and I would have got like three likes on it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> well, I get it. I think that's a good image. Hey, Clarence, thanks a million. You're welcome. Okay, Talk bye. to you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Hey, Bob is asking me if I'm going to go to uh, Trump's... Um, uh, celebration on July 4th. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'll pass. What an idiot. I, you see, I don't even want to... <coughs> okay? Uh, but something Clarence said about Americans buying into this crap that people are selling all the time. Conspiracy Ooh. theories, Republicans... <laughs> theorists and Republicans. I mean, just unbelievable. This is from today's Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal. With American employment near lows seen a half century ago and labor so scarce that companies complain of shortages of workers, you'd think American workers would be getting a bigger slice of the economic pie. They are not. And then they go in to the statistics. It's mind-boggling. Not if you've been paying attention. Labor's share, or the worker in America's share of domestic income has been in decline since 1970. That's almost 50, well, it's 50 years. It's essentially 50 years. For a half a century, Americans, the share they get of all the money out there that we produce in this country has been going down and has barely recovered in this so-called expansion that we've seen from lows last seen 
when we were pulling out of the Great Depression. Listen to this. If workers today were getting the same part of the slice of the pie that they did in 2001, okay, we're in this century, if we were getting the share we got in 2001, Americans would average $5,100 more in their pocket per year. You would have $5,100 more per year if we could get the same slice we got in 2001. That's how outrageous this is. And of course, while the share that is given to the people who actually produce labor has gone down steadily, you know whose has gone up. And then, because it's the Wall Street Journal, they quote all these economists. It should be rising, the worker share. I mean, this is the point of the cycle where workers should be able to bid back some of the production and they and that for some reason hasn't materialized. Uh, and then because it's the Wall Street Journal, they start thinking, what could be happening? Because this is not the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> they cite a number of possible explanations. One is the weakening of labor unions. Yeah, well, uh, who, who wanted that? Huh? I guess that would be uh, right. Mm -hmm. the people who have all the money and even more. Um, that would be Republicans who do their bidding. Uh, union represent representation right now is less than 12% of uh, workers. 12%. It's like you're practically a uh, unicorn if you have a union card. Obviously, technology has something to do with this. Globalization has something to do with this. All those things get mentioned in here. Here's what doesn't get mentioned in the Wall Street Journal report on how workers are just getting increasingly poorer as the rich get increasingly richer, even as the Wall Street Journal scratches its head and says, well, according to all our economic textbooks, this is not supposed to be happening. The one thing that they don't acknowledge is run away unfettered greed-propelled capitalism. That's the reason. That's the biggest reason, obviously. But to the Wall Street Journal, that's a bridge too far. They can report the news that this is what's happening, but they remain dumbfounded because John Maynard Keynes said that this isn't supposed to happen. The Congressional Budget Office has projected that labor's share of the pie would have a partial comeback. They have been projecting that for the last 
20 years. Because it's supposed to happen. Instead, it just keeps going down. Okay. Okay, um, I, I'll let Milton, I'll, I'll let you get the last word in, even though we're, we're out of time. Uh, Milton uh, writing, uh, welcome home. I think that what many are upset about, Green Book, is not the movie or its possible historical inaccuracy. I think what upsets many black folk is not the people like yourself have always been on the side of what's right. It's all those Trump voters and right-wing folks supporting the cannibalization of Title X and the decline of access to health care for women of color who then go to see movies like Green Book and Hidden Figures and praise it as a movie that really made me feel good, like we've come such a long way. And then, we go, and then they go and vote against these same ideals that gave them that good feeling in the first place. It's as though we're being exploited again. It's the disconnect between being entertained by our struggle and the lack of willingness to implement those ideas in their lives. That's what is annoying about white savior films. They get to feel good while our struggle continues and no doubt will be made into movies in the future. Movies that entertain white audiences. Yeah. I saw it. It made me feel good because it was the story of a friendship, an unusual friendship. It didn't make me feel, it, the racism in the movie made me miserable. And I thought it was depicted in a way that really drove it home. But I just want to say, and I have called for Hollywood to get, the, get it, American people are miserable right now. And I don't want to go to a movie and be made more miserable, personally. I don't. I ne Hollywood needs to put out movies that make people feel good. All right, if this movie will somehow allow racists who see it to feel like, oh, well, that's over. There's nothing I can do about that. I, I'm sorry. I still... I don't know. I want more feel-good movies. I am desperate for them. It doesn't mean I don't know that the world is broken. It's all the more reason I need the movies. And people need to be able to take a break. So. Thank you, Milton. As usual, a very good explanation of that point, but I, uh, I understand, but I still like that movie. Unapologetically. Okay, see you tomorrow, guys. Susan will be joining us. Bye. Lincoln Live.
Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.